Jessa Crispin is, how would you like to describe yourself? Editor and founder. It sounds way more professional that For way. For sure it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus you're a producer and a host. Yes. Blogger and, you know, tap dancer. I don't know. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you. You are living your dream. Oh, right. I guess. I suppose so. This was all very unintentional and very accidental and not what I wanted to do with my life, honestly. This being... Books left. And I'm not complaining at all. I'm extremely grateful for everything and this is all wonderful and lovely. But it really wasn't sort of what I planned to do or wanted. But you're doing it and you're happy doing it. Yes. And it doesn't get much better than that in a human life, I don't think. Right. Uh, if you could briefly tell us what Bookslet is. It is an, an online literary website that has a daily blog and then a monthly magazine, which has features and reviews and, yeah, the traditional sort of review section kind of stuff. Are you making any money? I am making enough to live and buy food. And books. And books. You get a lot of them for free. Yes, I do. Yeah. But although I still buy, I still, you know, go out drinking, come home and go on Amazon and make some regrettable decisions there. But the one-click shopping is just, it's too easy. Which is the key behind their success. Yeah. I should say uh, that it's Bookslut plus freelance writing, that Bookslut does not alone support me. How are you making the money, if you don't mind? I, I hate to be so materialistic in this line of questioning, but it, it, it really is, I think, something that a lot of people are really interested in. Advertising, that's how we make money. Publishers? Publishers, writing programs at colleges, sometimes movies, like if it's an ad adaptation of a book, we get some movie ads. So yeah, it's anything that's slightly related to writing or books. And are these sort of banner ads? I don't know how we managed to do this, but we have managed to avoid the common problems with web advertising because usually web ads grow bigger, they make noise, or they dance or something, and that's yeah. really annoying. Distracting. And yeah, and before we even took an ad, we had like a thing up on the website that said, we will not accept flash ads, we will not accept ads that make noise, nothing that floats. So the advertisers have complied with that. Do you sell like a, like a little bookmark, for example, size thing on the side of... Yeah, it's like 150 by 200, which is also an ad size that doesn't exist outside of Bookslut, apparently. Usually ad dimensions are much, much larger, um, and they take up a full screen size, either along the top or down the side. I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. So, Do these ads appear when certain content appears? No, they're or, static. And they, they revolve? Uh, once a month, yeah. So you sell... By the month. Just that one, mm -hmm. that that one space. That's it. Yeah. Once a month. Yeah. Because and I can't be bothered to <laughs> to do it any more than that. Yeah. yeah. I guess you've got a rate card. Is it like a thousand bucks a month, or? Well, it depends on size and how how many. You can break it down to just the blog, or just reviews, or just you know. So the full site. Banner ad, which is the largest one, is six fifty a month, and then it goes down from there. And you're able to justify that by showing what kind of st like, where do you get the stats from? Oh, from my server or whatever. They do a breakdown. You present that to it or provide. That. No, we just tell them what the averages are. And what are the averages? Eight to nine thousand unique visitors a day. Has that gone up in the last year? 
for two years, or what's the story? It creeps up. Kind of a loyal base that's yeah, we established have a itself. Base. Yeah. Depends, you know, on what we're doing and what month it is, and all sorts of wonderful little ticks. Well, that's really quite impressive. It's if like it's eight to nine thousand a day, you know, a magazine may have thirty or thirty thousand, mm-hmm. let's say, for the month. I think it breaks down to two hundred thousand unique visitors a month. How did you get such a great uh, number? I have no idea. I mean, we've never advertised. It's just content and word of mouth, then. It's a, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you must be doing something right. I must be doing something right. What What do you think it is? I have really great people that write for Bookslet. I think that's part of it. And then the rest, I don't know. Well, what do you mean really great? Like, they, they write well. They write with intelligence and humor. and. Yeah. And they're very, you know, they're very smart. They're very lovely people, all of them. They're all, you know. Which can, which you can you can feel and experience through their writing, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's also that we just don't cover what everybody else is covering. You know, we tend to write about people nobody else is writing about, or write about books that nobody else is writing about. Books that you think are really good, but that just don't get mainstream coverage. Yeah. Like what? Well, like my favorite book last year was Metropole by Corinthy. I'm going to go ahead and assume that's how you say his name. He's oh. dead. He won't mind. His uh, relatives might mind. His relatives, they're in Hungary, so I think I'm safe. Okay. Really didn't get any major review attention. There were a couple little reviews, but that's about it. And so I reviewed it for NPR and mentioned it on the blog and wrote about it on the blog and stuff like that. I mean, and that tends to be the way we operate is just... I have a stable of writers that I trust, and I let them write about whatever they want to write about, and it tends to be uh, a lot of work in translation. Yeah. We have a lot of poetry reviewers right now, you know, a really great poetry columnist. Elizabeth Bachner, who is a feature writer and a reviewer, is just absolutely incredible. I think she's so smart and so interesting. And Barbara J. J. King, who does anthropology pieces once a month, it's basically whatever I'm interested in, and if I'm interested in it, I assume that there's somebody out there who would also be interested in it. You're sounding like a novelist. Novelists write, write for themselves because they haven't found what they want, Yeah. so they write it themselves. That's kind of, that's yeah. kind of what Bookslet's all about for me. So it's successful, and with book review sections shrinking, despite, I guess there's, there's more online coverage by the mainstream media. Yeah. Uh, you've got an established base. Where do you see this playing playing out? Do you mean for books or for like the internet? Both. I don't know. I mean, it's not something that I really think about. <laughs> I mean, I assume, I mean, nature abhors a vacuum and other wonderful cliches that we can throw around. The energy has to go somewhere, you know. I mean, if you take it away from print, people aren't going to stop wanting to, this whole thing about the internet is killing books. I mean, you know, TV did not kill radio, it just made it different. So I think that people who say that reading is dead or is dying or whatever are just lazy thinkers and um, need to shut up. I would appreciate it if they would. Okay. So I think the energy is going to go online because that seems to be where it's... Well, it's appreciated. You yeah. Do, you do find a lot of people who are passionate about books. Yeah. And free to say as little or as much about what they love as as they wish. You know, everything online is sort of niched out, so 
you don't have to worry about a editor sort of making decisions about a section he knows nothing about, you know, that he wants to broaden the appeal and make it, you know, totally safe and boring. Yeah. With online, you can do whatever, you know, do whatever you want. Well, it always has been about the integrity of the content. Yeah. And the voice. Yeah. We're at a some sort of a turning point where this, the traditional structure of of the media mm-hmm. is being torn apart, mm-hmm. and bloggers are important factor uh, behind this. Yeah. So, is there going to be a? I know this is another advertising question, but is it? Do, do you do you see from your experience people that typically have advertising money? Do you think they're going to chop it up and fragment it and pay attention to lots of different blogs. Well, yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, that's where the readers are, and that's where loyal readers are. So I think if they don't, then they're being really foolish. On the other hand, I can totally understand why advertisers have shied away from the online world, because there's no such thing as loyalty in the online world. You know, people, or there shouldn't be. Loyalty in terms of readership? Well, you mean, you know, like Vogue, there was this big article in the New York Times about Vogue about how it's so boring because it kowtows to its advertisers where all the fashion that's in the magazine is bought, that space is bought by advertisers. The, the, ed, ad, the editorial is basically advertorial. Yeah, and so the uh, online is not that way. I mean, you can it's, advertise. It's, well, it's not that way, but there's a big concern about that because there's a ton of sites that are funded by entities other than the blogger themselves. Right, yeah. But I mean, even something like Gawker, which takes ads from absolutely everybody, you c- you see them eviscerating the ads, calling yeah. them foolish and stuff like yeah. that, and which and annoying, which I can understand why advertisers are you know, hesitant to get to dive into that world, but they're going to have to get over it and stop being precious sensitive. But you've only got so much space to sell on your site, and you've already sold it. Yeah. So what are you going to do? It's enough, you know. I, I'm not greedy. Okay. <laughs> Maybe you could tell us when you started it up, you were you were involved in the feminist movement? Yeah, I was working at Planned Parenthood. And you always had a passion for books, I assume. Yeah. And then you, had a, you found a venue to share this enthusiasm. I was working at Planned Parenthood and... Uh, in I Chicago? Got, no, in Austin. And I got really bored because I got moved to fundraising, and I do not do well in fundraising because I am surly, and so they would hide me away, and I had nothing to do. Surly and honest. Surly and honest. I have very, very difficult time hiding my contempt. Which they, is why your blog is so successful. I, I suppose. Finally, it's paying off. But but at the time, it was not seen as an asset to my job at fundraising. So I didn't really have anything to do except for updating the database. And the person who had that job before me was an idiot. And it took him eight hours a day. And it took me, you know, one hour a day. And I just had an enormous amount of time. What I had been doing, which I realized was probably horrifically annoying, was I would just, you know, Google writers' names and then email the links to an interesting interview or something that I found to my sister or my friend or something because I was just bored out of my skull. And then my boyfriend at the time started a blog and it was really boring and I thought I could do better than that. So he's your ex-boyfriend? Yes, he's my ex-boyfriend. Because he didn't think it was boring? 
Well, there are many reasons he's my ex-boyfriend, but um, he uh, he was the webmaster for Bookslet for for a long time. Let's see. We broke up three years ago, and he continued doing it for like a year after we broke up. So, four years? He, he didn't know how to write interesting blogs, but he knew the technology. Yes. And that helped you. And he designed the site, yeah. Okay. And so, you just got right into it then? Yeah. Well, I just started blogging, and then I just sent the link to my sisters and a handful of friends, and then other people started reading it. The the link to your site? Yeah, okay. to my blog. Now, it's interesting, when you look at different blogs, there are blogs that are typically more considered. They'll take a, a topic and they'll write a thousand words on it, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then there are other blogs that simply link and then have a, often a caustic or a humorous remark attached to that link. Mm-hmm. You've sort of done both. Yeah, right. mostly just caustic. but um, The blog is pure caustic. Yeah. The other side, the, the, the quote oh, magazine, yeah, the magazine side. Yeah. is more considered. Yeah, but that didn't come until a couple months after, after the blog started. Yeah, February and then May, and I think it was just about a month after I started the blog, I got an email from somebody in Hungary. Maybe it was Corinthians had descendants, I'm not sure. So uh, I got an email and I thought that was the strangest thing because I had not assumed that anybody outside of uh, my family was reading it. So that must have given you a real buzz. Well, it freaked me out. I was like, well, I should probably do something that's not boring if somebody else is reading it. You know, it's fine if I can bore my sister. She loves me. She has to read it. But if other people, I should probably put some effort into it. So that's when I started thinking about, okay, well, if you can do anything you want online... Within reason. Right. What what should we do? So it was a lot of, like, 2 a.m. after the bars closed, sobering up over grilled cheese sandwiches between me and my friend Michael Schaub trying to figure out what we would do. So you've just simply taken advantage of the technology that allows you sort of direct access to an audience, mm-hmm. and you've combined the blog the blog with a more traditional form of communication. Right. So what gave you the biggest thrill then? When Neil Gaiman linked to my blog about six months into it, that really freaked me out too, though. I, I had mixed emotions about that excitement and sheer terror. Why the terror? Uh, because then it's the potential for Neil Gaiman to think uh, I am an idiot. So what? Uh, I really like him. He's very nice. He's got that nice British accent. He's very handsome. Um, you know, various reasons. Wish uh, to be attractive. Uh, well, not so much as wi- not to think that uh, somebody to think that I'm uh, an idiot. Someone you respect. You don't. So, yeah. You don't mind if. Other if idiots think you're an idiot. I don't mind if most people think I'm an idiot. The but people that I respect, I would rather they not think I was an idiot. Right. I know that it's inevitable, and there are probably many who think that I am, but I, you know, you just got to go with what you do. Neil Gaiman, yeah, that's good. You know, it's funny. I was just in Minneapolis, and I truck because he lives around there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, his publicist didn't get back to me, so that's it. He can beg. He's a, he's a he's a nice man. It's not gonna man. happen. You should give him another shot. He's very nice. He's per- he's put up with a lot of shit from us over the years. You know, he's been willing to sit down for interviews and all sorts of nonsense with us. So, so when he linked, then that was a huge thrill. Yes. And then what happened? You thanked him for linking. 
No, it was even worse because I had been told about it by my ex-boyfriend. The same one or? No, a different one. Uh, ex at the time, even. Boyfriend. He told me about it and then he sent me an email that he had gotten from Neil because Juan, the ex, emailed him and said, oh, by the way, you met this girl because six months before that or something, like, I met him at a convention and I was um, unable to form sentences. I'm not sure I even got my name out. I was mostly staring at the carpet and blushing. And, uh, and Neil wrote back, oh, I remember her. So then the horror of now Neil Gaiman not only maybe thinks I'm an idiot, but thinks I'm incapable of speech as well. So really there was, that whole thing was painful. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was a bit much. So, uh, you've have you taken care of this self-esteem problem yet? Have you dealt with that? I it only comes up with him. I don't know what it is, but I think maybe I revert back to the first time that I met him. But literally, for I he lives nearby. We've been at the same events. We run into each other every once in a while, and every time. I turn into a goddamn idiot, and he laughs at me, and he makes fun of me, and it's, you know, painful. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Must be nice to have that kind of power over women. Yeah. It's not just me. I mean, many, many women have problems with talking verbal communication around Neil Gaiman. Did you interview him then, or? No, it took me years before I could. Do, have you done that, though? Yeah, twice. You you basically took the blog and then and then you started to realize that you could actually go and talk to people. Yeah. And interview them for your site. Mm-hmm. Although I really uh, I prefer other people to do the interviews. I don't uh, I don't much like doing it myself. I don't know. And also, I think it's, uh, I don't necessarily find writers interesting in and of themselves. Like, there has to be, for me to want to interview somebody, like, an idea behind it that I'm trying to get at. And honestly, it doesn't happen that often, and that maybe sounds terrible, that I'm not compelled to uh, get beyond the book. Um, Obviously, it does happen, like, with the the video interviews I've been really happy with who we've talked to but um yeah for the most part I'm like either you know I'm picky I talked to Anthony Bourdain <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of annoying I guess elitist that's the word I'm looking for so I can talk to Anthony Bourdain or Claudia Bourdain or Neil Gaiman or or like this interview with um we just did this, uh, the one that's going up on Monday, the video interview that's going up on Monday, is uh, with Grant Ackett's. Sorry? Grant Ackett's, do you know him? He's a chef here in Chicago, and he is... He's got a book? Uh, yeah, the new, the Alinea cookbook. And he's actually a genius, like, you know, people throw that word around, but he has this worldview that does not, it does not equal anybody else's, and it's amazing. So I really just wanted to sit down and talk to him. Okay. And he's just very driven. So I wanted to find out why and how. I'm speaking with Jessa Crispin, who is the editor and founder of Bookslot, which is a website blog dedicated to 
all things literary. Sure. My eyes glaze over often at writers festivals when authors talk about the process. Yeah. Whether or not they use a pen or a computer or I mean there's lots of that kind of question that goes yes, on. Is. <laughs> so typically I like to talk about the book itself, the ideas as you say. Mm -hmm. The imaginative process, not the process so much as what they've produced, mm -hmm. the art itself. Yeah. You're saying that most writers in, in and of themselves are boring? I wouldn't say that they're boring. I just maybe don't want to... Um... Sorry, compare that to a movie star, for example. Oh, please. Total blank and boring. Are you kidding? Or the writer who, whose life is words. Yeah. These are the, this is why I got into it, because I wanted to meet some of... These are really interesting people who know how to, to, to tell you why they're interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm a bit surprised that you wouldn't uh, want to engage more with the writers themselves. Bookslot is sort of a totally selfish operation, honestly. I mean, selfish in the sense you, you're going to do exactly what you want, whatever interests you, and, and if right. you've got an audience for that, then so much the better. If not, well, fine, you're still going to go ahead and do what. Yeah, right. and, and, and so, you know, I'm not going to interview Ian McEwan just because he has a new book out and it's, you know... Well, what, just because the publishers are about. trotting him around. Right. So it really has... To, and I don't know what it is. It's just something when I'm reading a book, okay, I want to blog about this or I want to talk to them or I want... And it's just... It can be, you know, one sentence. I, there was one sentence in this Clayton Eshelman. He translated the Cesar uh, Vallejo collection that just came out. And there was one sentence in his translator's memoir that I was just like, oh, I really want to meet him and have a conversation about that. I guess that's what I... Or with Grant Atkins, it was like, I am not an ambitious person, and I, I tend to get distracted by shiny things very easily, so it's hard for me to feel driven and like I'm pursuing a goal. Like, I don't have a goal, except for get the new issue out. And here's somebody who has like this total world domination ambition, not just like I'm going to open a restaurant, I'm going to fucking change the planet. And I really wanted to, what does that feel like? Like what does some... How do know, I get some of that? Yeah, like and it, while I'm there, can I like get a sample of his blood or something and have it analyzed? I mean, you know. So that's my process. <laughs> You've set it up, you're interviewing people for interesting reasons, and the other people, same same holds true, I assume. I assume so, yeah. They've got carte blanche to do whatever they wish. Yeah. M many bloggers, just they're an entity unto themselves, but you've very early on got a group around you. Yeah. I think it's nice to be surrounded by people who are smart. <laughs> how did you? How did you get them? Oh, they all, they basically all find me. Right off the bat, the, the people saw what you were doing, they liked your caustic outlook, among other things. Well, what else did they like, I wonder? I don't know. No, you still haven't given us that yeah. secret. Sorry. Do, 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 you, do you just say, I'll thank you, or do you pay them? Uh, they get books. They oh, they used get books. To, they used to get paid, and then advertising went down. Okay. And so I had to stop paying them, or else I was going to have to like rethink yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, so they get books. Yes. Okay. Plus the prestige, of course. Oh yes, of course. Are you going to change the name Book Slut or not? I I'm thinking I need to change it now that I'm 30 uh, to female reader of a certain age. I'm thinking that's going to have to happen in the next couple months. 
<laughs> so it's going to be something something formerly bookslut. No, it'll just be you know, and we'll put some drawers on the chick, and uh, you know, be respectable, for God's sake. What? Because you're caving. No, because I'm old now, and it's charming to be the book slut when you're 25, and when you're 30, it's like, oh, God. It's like a 50-year-old wearing a miniskirt. Yeah, it's a little bit inappropriate. Okay, plus it's you're trying too hard. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this uh, my entire adult life, but maybe it's time for a new name. <laughs> We're breaking news here? No, because I'm lazy, and that would mean probably redesigning the website, and I'm not currently dating a webmaster, so I don't know how that's going to work. Um, no, but, but have you just given me a scoop here? What, that I'm changing the name? Yeah. No, because it won't ever actually happen. Oh, it won't happen? <laughs> no, probably Oh, okay, not. okay. Well, it'll probably just, I'll just have to shut it down, because it's gotten, the name is inappropriate. Okay. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds. I think we've covered the history a little bit, mm -hmm. the philosophy, we, we, you've given me the caustic, I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks, I'm doing exactly what I want to do, Yeah. and if they're interested they, they can read, if not they can piss off. Yeah. Just, just maybe a little bit of advice to the uh, nascent blogger. Oh, I get asked for advice a lot. Oh dear. I never know what to say, because I don't know why books that really works. Uh, be yourself. I guess, but then, but be yourself, but be really interesting, you know? Be, a lot of people, a lot of people aren't interesting. Much better version That's, in of fact, yourself. that's why they invented alcohol, to make other people interesting. I can't vlog drunk. I've, I did once, okay. and it didn't really work out for me, but, um, yeah, no, I get it. I, be interesting. Be interesting. What happens if you're not interesting? Then... Don't stop blog? talking. Okay. Yeah. I better or, stop talking then. <laughs> or like, everyone should find themselves interesting at least, you know. <laughs> Any other advice? My personal life philosophy is to be like one of the spinsters in a W. Somerset mom book. And that seems to be working out for me pretty well. Um, That's so advice to a, a potential blogger? Yeah, because it's like, educate yourself, be glamorous, like, work on yourself, don't take shit from anybody, don't give away your power, like, be the strong, witty one in the room. So yeah, that's that would be my advice. Think of yourself as a W. Somerset mom spinster. But he's my patron saint. He's up yeah. there on my wall. I love the writer's notebook. I read it when I was about tw 20. I love him dearly. He was a misogynist. Yeah, well, he was he was also, you know, gay. He got really badly treated by his first wife. He married her because she told him he was, he was, she was pregnant. Yeah. And they had the worst marriage. But he was also extremely aware of what marriage did to women, and those books are my favorite of his, his like The Painted Veil and Mrs. Craddock. Like, just pin you in and, um, you know, at the time, take away all your power, make you completely dependent and bitter and angry. So, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you should mention Somerset Maugham because he changed my life. How's that? He wrote a book on the ten greatest novels ever mm -hmm. written. And before reading that, I didn't care for fiction at all. 
and then I read all ten of the books that he'd recommended. And what were the books? War and Peace, The Brothers Karamazov, The Red and the Black, Madame Bovary, Magic Mountain, Paragorio, I think, Moby Dick, Vanity Fair. How many is that? That's eight. You're counting them. No, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. I think I've grabbed one finger twice. Um, anyway. Well, then nine. So he, uh, yeah. And it's interesting. That I, what, I said I was closing here, right? In closing, I'd asked for some advice. Mm-hmm. And then you said, Spinster, mm-hmm. you've recommended a couple of his books. Yes. It's interesting how he's seen as sort of a mid-level writer by, you know, by what, history or the establishment or... Yes, but as he says in his memoir, you know, the reason he doesn't have any style is because he had more important things to get done on paper than the style. I think you like his persona. You like his persona as much as you like his writing. I love him, top to bottom. There's a site. uh, Yeah, the W. Somerset Mom blog, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm aware. (laughs) I'm aware. No more advice then? Did you have some sort of SEO person, what search engine optimization person? No, no. You did a whole bunch of linking. Yeah. Like almost, and that must be part of it. I guess. I mean, that's the whole blog thing. That's purpose, it's function. You don't know. I've been around for seven years. I, I am sort of seen as the man now, you know, like the establishment, so... How does that follow from what I just said? Well, the other, a lot of the other newer literary blogs, it's hard to get attention. They're all sort of oh, okay. because it came at a later time, and Bookslot was really it was the only one alongside Moby Lives, which went away and then came back and went away. Just recently, back. yeah. yeah. Um, so at the time, it was way easier. I guess, I mean, I guess, to get get attention because there wasn't as many to go by. Okay, can you name me your top ten favorite? Um, Okay, Uh, The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James. No, no, we're going to go top ten favorite literary blogs. Oh, God, don't ask me. Yeah, no, i got to do that. No. Okay, let's go with the top five or ten or whatever. William James? In Memoriam to Identity by Kathy Acker. Dubliners by James Joyce. Into the Affair by Graham Greene. Uh, Thin Place by Catherine Davis. Uh, can I look at my shelves? Oh, fuck me. Um, Who's that by? <laughs> uh, shit. Is there a book with fucking in the title? Uh, there's one called I Love Dick. Um... The Lottery and Other Stories by Shirley Jackson. Lenark by Alistair Gray. Um, Jonathan Coe is a fan of... Uh, I love Jonathan Coe. Yeah, Alistair Gray. Uh, the London Review books thing. Um, I guess Dream Songs by John Berryman, just so I can pretend like I read poetry. The Golden Bow by Sir James Fraser. Oh my god. I don't know. I think that's about nine or ten. So how about the literary blogs? I don't read blogs. Honestly, I'm not fucking around. I do not read blogs. Sorry. What were your top ten favorite blogs? I really like Moby Lives. Okay, nine more. 
that's it. <laughs> I really, I never have. I don't, I don't, I just don't read them. I don't feel compelled to. Uh, I don't. Okay. So, yeah. Dennis, uh, though, of Moby Lives, he's a nice, nice chap. If someone's just sort of entering the blogosphere, where do you think they should go to kind of get a good... Me and Dennis. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, the only... I read, I do, I admit, I read one, but only because I hate that person. Um, and I feel like it's, hate is sometimes better than caffeine. So I read that first thing in the morning where I can hate and get that out of the way. The adrenaline rush that it gives you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that's really the only one that I read. And that one is? Not telling you that. <laughs> I'm not going on record with that shit. <laughs> It's nice that you hate, though. Like it's it's hate and love. You know, it's, it's your, some passion. Hate's a very useful emotion. Uh, how can we wind this up in such a way that's gonna really attract a lot of attention to my website? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I can't think of anything scandalous I would like to say right now. I say enough scandalous things on my blog on a daily basis. So it's, you know, I don't have anything saved up. What would you like me to say that will attract a lot of attention? No, I'm not going to put it into your mouth, though. <laughs> I could, uh, what could I do? List out the writers I've slept with? Um, maybe the, uh... How many writers have you slept with? There's that. Not that many? Handful. Okay. Anyone in particular that's really... Not that nothing I'm going to actually say on while being recorded. <laughs> so I, can I put Jessa Crispin divulges writers she has slept with? If you want to. Could you have to divulge? Just the headline. Just divulge one. Um, no. No. I'm very private Despite about my actual patina, private life. The patina of sluttishness. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, Def it's a defensive shell. Well, it's not a defensive shell, it's, you know, it's a, well, it's a persona, I guess, but it's yeah. also, I don't really, I think the reason that I don't read blogs is there's so much about the people's personal lives, and I just don't, I can't be bothered to care. Um, and some people do it well, like Maude Newton can talk about her family in a really interesting way, but for most part it's like, oh, I'm packing, or, you know, I'm alphabetizing my books, isn't that fascinating? Uh, and it's not. But, um, yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't really talk about my personal life no. online. You're an interesting practitioner of uh, a new interesting phenomenon. So I've talked about what you did, how you did it, mm -hmm. what your thoughts about the blog. We touched on that, I think. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that I didn't cover? Just in terms of your role as a blogger, the impact that it's having on the industry. Oh, you'd have to ask somebody else about that. I don't know. Because I don't, I don't really pay attention to that part of it. Do you have any parting words? Future of the blog? Sure, it has one. <laughs> Yours and in general? Yeah, both, I think. We'll see what happens. It's, it's really just sort of... The blog is sort of what I do between 5 a.m. and 8 a.m. while I'm waking up in the morning. The rest of the time you're doing freelance writing for 
or editing or reading or you know something like that for different uh, publications primarily mostly right now just the smart set or smart set npr uh the smart set it's um Mencken's old mag okay. that got re whatever by uh drexel university as a, their literary magazine okay and i have i am their books columnist so once a month twice a month twice a month yeah it's an all right gig Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Sure.